Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Wrap-Up for Friday, November 4th, 2022. From Europa.eu, the European Union Agency for Cybersecurity, or INISA, I guess that's the way to pronounce it, they have released their 10th edition of the Threat Landscape Report. I'll have to admit, I was not familiar with this report until I came across this article, This is the annual report of the EU Agency for Cybersecurity on the state of cybersecurity threat landscape. And this report covers the period from July 2021 up through July of 2022. It notes that more than 10 terabytes of data is stolen monthly via ransomware and that also DDoS attacks are increasing, that they rank high up there. So those are the two major ones. But the main point of the report this year I'm going to quote from the article here is that, however, the geopolitical situations, particularly the Russian invasion of Ukraine, have acted as a game changer over the reporting period for the global cyber domain. While we still observe an increase of the number of threats, we also see a wider range of vectors emerge, such as zero-day exploits and AI-enabled disinformation and deep fakes. As a result, more malicious and widespread attacks emerge having more damaging impact. So an interesting report. I'm definitely going to look at it myself. There is a link to the download for both this year's and last year's in the article. From HelpNet Security, How to Fortify Elections and Electoral Campaigns Against Human Hacking. Obviously, in the United States, we have midterms coming up in just a few days. There's an awful lot of interest for that because of the controversies and the splits that we've had with regards to election integrity. This isn't just a 2020 thing. There was that sort of discussion in many of the elections over the last couple of decades, if you even go back all the way to 2000 and remember the hanging Chad gate. If you don't know what that term is, look it up. In any case, this is an interview with uh, James Turgle. He is the Vice President of Cyber Risk Strategy and Board Relations at Optiv. And it's an interesting blog post that he has here, or rather an interview. He does note that threat actors, quote, have a goal of creating fake news to manipulate communications and those who devour it. Dedicated nation, state, and proxy groups are targeting not just election systems and infrastructure, but also, also election volunteers and people who may not recognize a cyber attack during their work. And part of also what they're leveraging, of course, is social media. You see that an awful lot. He suggests that for campaigns that they really should be looking at phishing because the phishing attempts nowadays could very well resemble an actual email for an actual vendor that they use. It's not just the generic, hey, enter your Microsoft credentials. And that's a very powerful hook to do that. So there's obviously some recon done beforehand to determine what would work best. And also they've mentioned that that the attacks also are targeting policy and legislative experts that they may consult on key issues and subjects. So they have to be very vigilant with regards to cyber attacks. And this all may sound familiar that they really, the cyber criminals haven't really changed their tactics because the tactics are working, which is something that we talk about all of the time. Extra vigilant for our election workers is definitely needed during the midterms. From bleepingcomputer.com, Germany's Federal Criminal Police Office. 
has arrested a 22-year-old student in Bavaria who is suspected of being the administrator of Deutschland im Deep Web, or DIDW, one of the largest darknet markets in the country. Now, this platform had already gone offline in March of 2022 with 16,000 registered users. The person arrested, they can face up to 10 years of imprisonment. The original DIDW platform was launched in 2013 and was shut down in 2017. Another iteration, or rather two new versions of the platform appeared on the dark web using the model no control, everything allowed, which according to the article implies that the new operators at that point in time no longer cared about masking illegal activities on the site. And they shut that down on their own in 2019 likely that they thought maybe that they were getting close to getting caught, but they spun up the third version about 10 days later. And that one was shut down, as we said, in March. And the perpetrator was arrested October 25th. From VentureBeat, this is one of those articles that I like to pass on for the small and mid-sized business owners and operators benefit. Five cybersecurity mistakes that will haunt you. Obviously, this came out during the around the Halloween time. And these are things that are fairly standard, but the article does have some good information for each of these. I'm just going to read off the five mistakes. The first one, lack of employee training on security best practices. I do think that that's huge, not to imply that they are the sole reason why we have security issues. It is a complex interaction of people, process, and technologies. Failing to maintain proper IT hygiene, that's pretty obvious right there. If you have a vulnerability that can be exploited, it most likely will. Not constant or consistently evaluating your company's cybersecurity posture or information security posture. And this is so critical. This speaks to risk assessment and constantly looking at both the changes in the threat environment and the changes in the system environment, and basically also the change in the business processes. So there's a lot going on there that impacts cybersecurity. It's not just an IT issue, which I believe is number five. Didn't want to get ahead of myself. Not knowing where your data assets are used, shared, or stored. You can't protect something you don't know about. That's why we preach so often when we first talk with clients is that Where's all your information? And if you can't answer that, you we need to collect, uh, collectively try to figure that out. And then finally, yes, treating IT as just, or treating rather security as just an IT issue. That is completely true because while IT security controls definitely play a part into information security, holistic management, there's a lot of other things. Talked about security posture and business continuity, tabletop exercises, risk, risk assessment, some of the things we just talked about in here. So some really good information for SMBs and maybe for a few other of us. And then finally, from Security Boulevard, the no-nonsense benefits of threat hunting. So again, for small and mid-sized businesses that may have heard that term and are not sure about what it's all about, or even for some who are relatively new to cybersecurity and have heard a lot of different roles out there, this is not a bad article to that describes, it's a blog post actually, that describes the aspects of threat hunting and some other information associated with it. Of course, they start out with what is threat hunting. And basically, this is just analysts that are looking on the network in a proactive manner so that they can try to discover vulnerabilities prior 
to them being exploited by the bad guys. So you could actually say that the bad guys, when they are trying to get into your network, that's exactly what they're doing too. They are threat hunting. Now, do you want to be a threat hunter? You better have a lot of experience. Quoting from the article, hunters have to have experience, a lot of experience. They need extensive knowledge of various operating systems, attacker methodologies, incident response best practices, an understanding of how to operationalize threat intelligence, and quite a bit more. Suffice to say, threat hunters need a lot of varied experience, which can make them a hard breed to find. And I will add on to that, quite costly, and rightfully so. Three benefits of threat hunting. The first one is that you may likely already be uh, compromised. So if you're compromised, well, you can't go back in time and uncompromise yourself, but at the very least, you can determine it and close the gaps that opened up the compromise. Um, hunting number two improves your security operations center. I think that that's a pretty much a given because you get greater understandings of the threats. And then number three, along the lines of greater understanding, it blazes a trail according to the blog post here. And what they're really saying there is that quote, your threat hunters will get to know your environment, perhaps even better than those responsible for actually knowing it. Now, again, good threat hunters or good threat hunter uh, providers. It's not going to be cheap, but this may be something for your business that you want to look into or for your career if you're on the other side of it that you may want to think about working towards. But don't expect to find an entry-level threat hunter position out there. They don't exist. And I'll have some thoughts on why they don't exist in 30 seconds. I'm wondering if some people, when I said that they don't exist, the first word that came to their mind was the G word or gatekeeper. And that's certainly not what I'm trying to imply. Although I have to say, I don't really care too much for that word. It's a, it's a negative word that implies negative connotations, that there's a negative push to try to prevent people from doing what they want to do and the career that they want to strive towards. It's not the case, at least not from my perspective. But the bottom line is that if you're going to be a threat hunter, as the blog post says, you have to have an awful lot of experience. You have to understand so many different variables, and you can only get those um, that experience from working in different facets of IT and information security and cybersecurity. And how do you get that? Well, here's where the whole question about how do I get into cyber, those few items that I read off from the blog post that are uh, necessary experience items for a threat hunter, any one of those could be an entry point into the eventual goal of becoming a threat hunter. For me personally, I've said it before, I started on the networking side. I was a network engineer. I like to get things to talk to each other. It was only when I realized that I was spending more time getting things to not talk to each other, firewalls and all that, that I realized I was going more down the cybersecurity path. Well, during all that time of being a network engineer, there were times when I had to troubleshoot things and times that I had to investigate what was going on. So there was some threat hunting. We didn't call it that back then. Threat hunting, um, some teaming work, if you will, looking at stuff, uh, testing stuff to make sure it was secure, doing scans and all of that. They were very basic things. But all of this and a lot of other stuff now today for me, uh, has combined so that I have a great holistic view of information security 
that a CISO needs, you can't just start out the gate of being a CISO or a virtual CISO. I won't go down that path again, but this is another example as to why you can't just put VCISO on your LinkedIn and suddenly be a VCISO. It takes a lot of experience behind it. So my advice to you is plot out a course, do a strategic plan, do a one to three, a five-year plan or what have you, and figure out where you want to go and how you want to get there. Now, I'll caution you too that as you start to go down that path, you may realize that there's something else that you really like, maybe better than threat hunting or better. You may not even want to be in cybersecurity at all. You may realize that IT system administration or um, information technology management and directing and becoming a CIO might be what you want to do. Or maybe you realize that you understand the business aspect of it more and you want to be a business analyst, or perhaps maybe you understand the finance and the risk uh, portion of it, and maybe even go down the CFO route. That's a little bit of a stretch, but all that to say is that when you create your one, your three, your five-year strategic security career plan, build in the flexibility to change your mind. You have that option. You don't have to be stuck in something just because you said three or five years ago that that's what you were going to do. And that's it for this week. I hope you've had a great week and that your weekend is full of a lot of fun and relaxation and devoid of zero days and systems going down. Monday, join us for the Quick Strike. That's where we'll talk more about things that may have happened over the weekend that you should know about, or at least that I found interesting to pass on to you. And then on Tuesday, we've got Jake Williams joining us. He is an IT security manager and aspiring CISO. And then Wednesday, we continue with our special series of discussions from the retreat conference from Montreal College in September. Rob Boker is going to be joining us. He is sales engineer, rather sales director at EasyMark. He explains the risks of email spoofing. So some great stuff coming up. Hope you can join us. And until then, stay secure. Thank you.